Father, I thank you for your incredible and infallible word. God, I just pray today that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message, the messenger. Lord, I just pray you'll give us ears, Lord, to hear the word of the Lord today. God, may we put in effect that which we receive today, all for your glory we ask. In the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Well, this morning we are going to continue our series, I'm Calling, Take Action. We are taking a journey through uh, an action-packed book of the Bible called Acts. I hope you are enjoying this series as much as I am. I will tell you that because we are going chapter by chapter, we will preach some things and minister on some things that we would never otherwise do. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching some things and I'm, I'm discovering some things and preaching some things I've never uh, ever preached in my entire ministry of nearly 44 uh, years. But in our scripture for today, the apostles experience a roller coaster ride of emotions. Uh, You see, they have their share of fans as well as their share of foes. Uh, They have people that are for them, and they have people who are against them. Uh, Not much has changed, has it? Well, this morning we are going to Uh, Look at chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 42. And and in these verses this morning, there are four things that I want to call your attention to. Four things I want us to see in our scripture for today. The first thing that, that we find is we find the respect, and we see the respect in verses 12 through 16. So let's read that. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. The Bible says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. Notice that phrase, the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by evil or unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So so here we find that God was doing an amazing work through the hands of and the ministry of the apostles. People were getting saved. uh, People were getting healed. uh, Miracles were flowing freely uh, through the apostles' ministry. And because of this, verse number 13 says that the people esteemed them highly. Peter and John and the other ten apostles quickly gained the respect of the people, at least with most of them. You see, just as it is today, in the church there is always a few holdouts. There's always a handful of rebels who refuse to get with the program. Uh, A study was done to determine the major cause of pastors leaving 
their church. And this extensive study revealed that most pastors who leave their churches prematurely do so because of just three people in the church. Uh, The pastor might have a house full of people that love them and support them and encourage them, and yet just three people in the church who make their lives miserable enough to quit. If you know who those three people are, you may help me out with those. Amen. The apostles in Acts chapter 5 had a multitude of foes, but they also had a handful, or they had a a multitude of fans, but they also had a handful of foes. Now, we're talking about the respect right now, and I want to share two things about respect, and especially as it relates to church leadership. First thing I would like to suggest to you this morning that is that it should be extended. The respect, respect for church leadership should be extended. People who hold ministry positions in the church should be given unconditional, say unconditional. Should be given unconditional respect. You might say pastor unconditional Yes, unconditional. You see, you see, sometimes we respect the person and sometimes we can only respect the position. See, see, I may or I may not respect the President of the United States. But you will never find me blasting him on Facebook. Because although I may or may not respect the President of the United States, I always respect the position. See, Romans chapter 13 and verse number 7 says to give honor to whom honor is given. Says nothing about that person being honorable. Think about this this morning. When you stand before a judge, how do you address him? Or her. You address a judge by saying your honor. Now, now you don't say your honor because of the person. Because you may not even know who that person is. And it might be Uncle Ned. You don't say your honor because of the person, but because of the position. Respect should be extended to ministers, not because of the person, but because of the position. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, he says, Honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard, hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love. But notice the next phrase, because of their work or because of their position. But notice the second thing about respect, and that is it must be earned. Now listen to me. 
Now, to offer respect based on a person's position should be automatic and unconditional. But to gain respect as a person, that must be earned. See, I expect, I expect you to respect me as lead pastor of the grace place. But let me tell you something this morning. Positional respect is not enough for me. It's not enough for me for you just simply to show me respect because, because I, I am in the, in, in the position of leadership and I am in the position of lead pastor uh, of the church. No, no, no. Let me tell you that I desire and strive to receive respect as a person. I desire to earn the respect of people. Now, let me just tell you that I can tell you that I have, uh, I have offered positional respect to people that were over me in ministry in the past. Because they were in leadership above me in ministry. Uh, because of their position, I offered them unconditional respect. But let me tell you that there have been a few, not very many, but there have been a few that I began with positional respect for. But once I got to know them personally, I no longer had respect for them because of their actions. I continued to give them respect for their position, but I had no respect for them as a Person, how many know that not everyone is the same off stage as they are on stage? And I hope that cannot be said of me. And I understand that no one is perfect, and I understand that we all have flaws. But my hope and my aim and my prayer is that my life is sending a message, not just my sermons. And I would hope that I could say, along with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 and 9, Paul said, the things which you have learned and you have received and you have heard, and the things that you have saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning I challenge every one of you that is in leadership uh, here in the church to walk the walk and not just simply talk the talk. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 uh, Paul instructs his uh, student, Timothy, he says, be an example. And he tells him where he needs to be an example in. He says, be an example in word and in conduct and in love and in spirit and in faith and in purity. Although positional respect should be given, personal respect should be and must be earned. All right, let's go back to our text this morning. The second thing that I see in these scriptures that we are reading today is I see the rejection. You see, although the apostles enjoyed some respect, they also endured some rejection. And we'll find that in verses 17 through 19. Let's read those verses. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, And they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Two things I want to call your attention to this morning. Number one here is that adversity often accompanies God's will. I hate to bust your bubble this morning, but I probably am going to do that. Let me tell you that God's will is not always for things to be bigger and better. 
Sometimes the only way some people uh, determine God's will is if is it bigger and better than where I am or where I've been or, where, you know. Listen, God's will is not always bigger and better. God's will doesn't guarantee you smooth sailing. And that's another thing. A lot of people determine the will of God. I must be out of the will of God, you know, because, because this happened or that happened. This adversity, this problem, this situation, this bad thing happened. The people rose against me or they didn't follow me or whatever. So, I must, so they quickly determine that they are out of the will of God. Let me tell you that God's will does not always guarantee you smooth sailing. And God's will is not pain-free. Adversity, all, uh, adversity often accompanies God's will. Let me ask you this this morning. Was David in God's will when he stood before the giant Goliath? You know, we think about David and Goliath, and we've heard that story since we were a little child, and it's such a glamorous story. But if you understand, if you really stop and think about it, here is this little 17-year-old Royal Ranger boy, a man that's probably about 5 feet 9 or 10 inches tall, and he's standing before, you know, this 9, 10, 11-foot giant. Not so glamorous when you understand what was really taking place. Let me ask you, was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the will of the Lord when they were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace? And let me ask you this morning, were the disciples in God's will when they, when they were sent by Jesus out onto the sea, amen, when, where, they would, where they would encounter a great storm? The apostles in Acts chapter 5 were in the center of God's will, and God was doing awesome and incredible things. Miracles were flowing. Oh, and the message of the resurrected Christ was being preached, and yet the Bible says they experienced rejection. Not only were they rejected, the Bible said they were tossed into jail, and they were thrown into jail not for doing something bad, but for doing something good. Adversity often accompanies God's will. Don't hear a whole lot of preaching on this, and I'm not getting a whole lot of amens on it either. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13, it says, Beloved, who's he talking to if he calls them beloved? Is he talking to the sinner or is he talking to the saint? He says, hey, fellas, or hey, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange or out of the ordinary or weird thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We're talking about the rejection. Adversity often accompanies God's will. But let me make this a little more positive now. Maybe I can get a little better response here. Let me also uh, show you that, that, that the help of angels, the help of angels can also accompany God's will. See, although the apostles were thrown into jail for preaching the gospel, the Bible says that God sent an angel to pick the lock on the cell and let them go. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 14 says that angels are ministering spirits sent by God to care for God's people. 
See, the bad news is adversity often accompanies God's will. The good news is the help of angels can also accompany God's will. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, the story is recorded where Israel seems to be surrounded and seems to be outnumbered by an enemy army. But listen, what you see with your natural eyes doesn't necessarily reveal the whole situation. See, some of you are looking at your situation, you're looking at your circumstances, and it seems like that the enemy has the upper hand in your life. And it seems like there's more devil than Jesus working in your life right now. But I want to tell you that you cannot always, uh, you cannot always believe what you see, and you cannot always believe what you hear. Because you may not really be seeing what is genuinely and actually happening in the spirit world. Did you know that there is more taking place in the spirit world than there is in the natural world? Let's read 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Says that he answered, he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And they're saying, What? You blind or something? What you talking about? But he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, listen, don't be fooled by what you see with your natural eye. Don't be fooled by what you hear with your natural ears. God has a heavenly host of angelic beings, and he dispatches these angels to go to battle for us in the time. Time of need. What you see is not necessarily what is really going on and what is really happening and taking place. God is working on our behalf. Well, let's move on in our scripture today. The third thing that I find in the scripture for today is I find the release, and we find the release in verses 19 and 20. So let's read those verses this morning. Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Two things I want us to understand and notice this morning about the release, and that is, number one, our release comes through God's power. Our release comes through God's power. Now, in reading this passage, we understand that the apostles witnessed God's power by the means of an angel. But listen, listen, God's power is manifested in many, many various and different ways. Sometimes his power is released through his word. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them. There is, there is power in the word of God. People's lives are actually changed and transformed even as the pastor is preaching the word of God before the altar call, before a prayer is offered. But there is power, amen, in the word of God. 
God's power is manifested through answered prayer. When we call upon God and God hears us and God, and God uh, works in our behalf because of our prayer, God's power is released through anointed people. People of God that, that God strategically positions in our life to impart wisdom and knowledge and, and help to us. God's power is released through supernatural intervention as, as God manipulates circumstances and situations, as God opens doors that no man can shut and shuts doors that no man can, can open. I, I don't know this morning, but perhaps you are here today and you are in need of divine intervention. Listen, maybe you need divine favor in a situation or, or with a particular uh, person. Perhaps you have allowed the enemy to bind you with some sort of bondage this morning. Listen, and you need deliverance. Listen, whatever the circumstance is, whatever the situation might be today, our release comes only through God's power. And let me tell you that I believe that God's power is being, being released and God's power is being directed at anyone and everyone that needs it this morning. I'm telling you, you don't even have to wait for the altar call this morning. I'm telling you, if you'll just turn your thing over to the Lord, if you'll just turn your circumstance, your situation over to God, right now God will work His power in your life. But the second thing we need to understand about the release is that our release comes for God's purpose. See, we need to understand that God is very strategic in everything He does and in everything that He allows. Everything that God does or doesn't do, He has a purpose now we may or we may not understand God's purpose and more times than not we will not and it'll drive you absolutely crazy to try and figure God out now God you said in Romans 8 and 28 that you cause all things to work together for the good of those that love God to them that are the called according unto his purpose God how in the world could you get good could I get good out of this and you get glory out of it listen 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 you will never figure it out the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts the Bible says that his thoughts are so far removed from our way of thinking that it's so far removed as much as the heavens are are removed from the earth that's how far away our thinking is from God's thinking The Bible says that God's ways are past finding out. Remember the story when Jesus cast the 6,000 demons out of the demoniac of Gadara? The man that lived among the tombs. The man that was an outcast of society. His society had given up on him. His family, his friends had given up on him. They put him out to live among the tombs because he was just a wild man that no one could do anything with. And he, they, society just gave up on him. The Bible says that Jesus came to him and that Jesus delivered him of these demons and set him free. And after this demoniac was delivered from these 6,000, legion means 6,000, after he was delivered from these 6,000 demons, uh, he asked Jesus if he could uh, join his band of disciples and travel with them in ministry. He could be the opening testimony of the crusade. 
But Jesus told him no. And Jesus told him to go home to his family and to his friends and minister to them. See, see, Jesus released this man from demon possession, but this release came with a specific purpose. And Jesus used his release to affect this man's family and friends. Let me ask you this morning, has Jesus set you free from some type of bondage? Has Jesus done a work in your life? If so, he did this for a specific purpose. Listen, listen this morning. Jesus doesn't save us and set us free from our sins just so that we could come to church and sit sour and soak. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you found God's purpose for you yet? Have you found your area of service in the kingdom of God? Have you found your niche? Have you found your place of ministry in the church? We talk about our mission statement around here a lot, and it is caring people, caring for people. And because we care, we provide care. We're caring people, caring for people. And because we care, we provide care. We provide care for all of our people. And we do this through a ministry that we call the Care Ministry Network. Now, if you're new around here this morning, ask Pastor Sean, or ask me, or ask Landon Oral, our our, our director of this ministry, uh, about this ministry. But, but I want you to understand that there's another aspect of our vision at the Grace Place. Because we care, not only do we provide care for every person, but because we care, we partner with caring ministries. Now, we are in the process, and it's still an ongoing, and it will be an ongoing process, but we are in the process of developing an outreach ministry. And Dahlia Burwise is the director of our outreach uh, ministry. Dahlia, would you stand? Let everybody see you this morning. Turn around with them and see who you are. Now, our desire at the Grace Place is to see the fingerprints of this church all over the world. That you could go anywhere in the world and see that the Grace Place has been there some way, somehow. Maybe we're there through, through the support of a missionary, or maybe we're there in, a, in, in buying a vehicle for a missionary, or a sound system for a missionary, or, or in building a church, or, or whatever. But, but our desire at the Grace Place is to see the fingerprints of this church all over the world. But listen, as we partner with Caring Ministry, all over the world, we don't want to neglect the many needy that are right here at home. See, you don't have to go to Africa to do, to, to do missions. We do, but you don't have to. Missions is everywhere. Needy people are everywhere. Lost people are everywhere. Hurting people are everywhere. Let me tell you that Dahlia is presently working on an incredible outreach to our local community. It's called Grace Day. Grace Day. And this will be held on Sunday evening, August the 14th. Write that in your calendar. August the 14th in the evening. It's going to be a back-to-school outreach that will include free backpacks and school supplies. 
But it also, she is getting a number of vendors to, to share health and wellness information as well as provide free services such as mammograms and OBGYN consultations and, and blood pressure checks and glucose level checks and chiropractic spinal checks. There's, there, there's going to be all kinds of giveaways. There's going to be inflatable games and bounce houses and fun for kids. And, and we're going to offer food. There's going to be free hot dogs and, and free snow cones and on and on and on it goes goes as we endeavor, amen, to impact and show this uh, community around our church that we care. You'll hear more about this as the event approaches. Details will be in the bulletin. Uh, We're looking for some people to help us. That's Dahlia. Let her know how you can help. Amen? Don't just sit sour and soak. All right, finally, notice the fourth and final thing that I see in our scripture for today, and that is the restoration. And we find the restoration in verses 21 through 42. Now, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of these verses, but I want to make two statements that I get from these verses. The first statement I'd like to make is God's will is certain. God's will is certain. It was God's will to establish the church. We've been talking about that as we've been going through the book of Acts. But God knew that there would be great opposition from the religious leaders. And so, and so God first empowered the apostles with the Holy Spirit so that they could withstand the pressure that they would incur. God also showed his approval of of this church by providing miracles through the hands of its founders. God also showed his ministers that, that he was with them by providing angelic assistance. And whatever the enemy would take from the apostles, God would restore. You'll find in these verses Gamaliel, who was a Pharisee, who was a teacher. He understood well. And this is what... This is what Gamaliel, this is what he said about the apostles. This is what he said about the early church. This is what he said about the new message of Christ and his resurrection. And you'll find it in verses 38 and 39. He said, if this new work is of man, it will fail. He said, if this thing called the church, he said, if it's a man-made thing, it's going to fail. He said, this thing about the baptism and the Holy Spirit, if this is a man-made doctrine, it will fail. Fail. But he went on to say, but if it is of God, you cannot stop it. You cannot stop it. Can I just, and most of you don't even know what I'm talking about because three-fourths of you wasn't here. But let me tell you, 13 years ago, the devil tried to stop his church, this church. 13 years ago, 14 years ago, God, the devil tried to stop this church. But let me tell you that God's will will prevail. And no matter what the enemy tries to bring, no matter what the enemy tries to do, listen, you cannot stop the will of God. If, God, if it is of God, Gamaliel said, you can't stop it no matter what you do, no matter what you try. You know, when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach judgment, Jonah didn't want to go and he didn't go for a time. But you know the story that before God got through with his reluctant prophet, Jonah went. Let me just tell you, if God's calling you to something, you might as well just say, yes, Lord. You can go willingly or he'll bring you, you know, kicking and screaming. But if he wants to get you somewhere, he's going to get you there. 
God's will is certain. You know, you might, you, you might think, you know, you know, you might read God's word and you might read of coming judgment. You might read of, 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 of uh, the church's triumph or you might read of the return of Jesus and you might look around and you might say, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen? Is, is, is the wrath of God really going to be poured out upon planet earth? Is Jesus, is Jesus really coming back for the church? Listen, mark this down. God's will is certain. What God's word proclaims will become a reality in God's time. And the next thing I want us to notice and find that this morning God's word will be proclaimed. We're talking about the restoration. God's word will be proclaimed. The enemy, the devil, has always tried to stop God's word from being proclaimed. He will never get the job done. Shut one preacher up, God will raise up another. Lock the preachers up in jail, God will send an angel to pick the lock. Threaten them, Beat them, harass them like they did the Apostle Paul or the apostles. And what will be their response? Well, you find the response in verses 40 through 42 says the apostles, the disciples, they agreed with him. And or that's not them agreeing with him, that's the people agreeing with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, be, to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. We're talking about the restoration this morning. I'm telling you that God's will is certain. And I'm telling you that God's word will be proclaimed. I get the musicians and singers back in place very quickly and quietly this morning. Jay Tucker was an Assemblies of God missionary to Zaire. He was told as a missionary, don't go into the northernmost part of Zaire. For no, un, for no reason, never go into the most northern part of Zaire. Because if you do, you won't come back alive. True story. Assemblies of God. Missionary Jay Tucker said, I read nowhere in the Great Commission about coming back. It just says go. Jay Tucker went. Jay Tucker lost his life. But God's word was proclaimed. God's word will be proclaimed.